the record and for the benefit of any future legal case russell brand <laughs> radio x you are listening to under no you're not you're listening to radio x so <laughs> it's been on my mind so much because i've interviewed al gore matt morgan's cleared off it's just me and g you're right g yeah it's good it's matt's birthday so we didn't want to hold him that long did we he's gonna have lunch with noel talk about stuff one can only wonder let's have a listen to the radio show then me and g will summarize what exactly we thought went down here we are Radio X. Radio X. Russell Brand. Ah, on the seventh day, the Lord said. You know, I can't remember the details, but there definitely was some sort of consciousness creating the material world. And if there is such a thing as time, what, why not take seven days? Why not indeed? It's Sunday. It's 11. It's Radio X. You're not listening to Keris. Which it could be doing, which, I mean, I love Keris over on Radio 6 now. But we're so confident in our radio show, we literally directly mention our competitors because I don't see Keris as a competitor. I see her as an ally and an educator and a joy. A joy of the valleys. This is the Russell Brand Show. But if it was just me, what value would it have? Mm-hmm. Probably neutral. <laughs> same, same value, probably economically. But <laughs> in terms of content, it would be of a lower value. Hello, Matt Morgan. Hello, Russell. You all right, mate? Yes. Happy Shipper. birthday. Happy birthday to yeah. you. Thank you. Happy birthday no, to you. I sing the whole thing. Happy birthday, dear Matthew. I'll hold my face in a smile for Happy long. birthday to you. You didn't even do a smile. Well, are, we, are we being filmed right now? I'm never, we are. All right, okay. Happy birthday. Sing it again and I'll smile. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy birthday, mate. What are you, a 40-year-old man, and that's all there is to it? 40-year-old. zero. Feel any different? Feel any different? The only thing I've noticed is when I look at my phone, because it says the date on there, every time I look at my phone, I go, hey, that's my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on a second. I know that day. That's the day I came out of here. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's a very common thing. So far, but Mm. I'm sure my back will give way or something. Oh, yeah, the spine is on its last legs, I would have thought. Very, very, very likely. What a show we've got for you today. We will be commentating, deconstructing, and no doubt finding some humorous asides on the interview I had done with Al Gore, which was meant to be a part of this show. But Radio X, in the form of Neil, the producer, very generously gave it over to Under the Skin, my podcast where I get what hang on right now I know the, the backstory yeah, we came I, thought I was coming here no. I've my birthday wish has always been <laughs> to meet Vice to President meet Al Gore and speak to no. and be on the same program as <laughs> Al Gore <laughs> and I I snatched it. You snatched that right. away. For you snaffled it to your own little snodcast. <laughs> I'm going to take that to my little snodcast. I'm just going to take Al Gore and just pop that under the skin. There you go. It's all nice and warm, all cosy. I saw the end of it because it was being broadcast into yeah. the offices. Yeah. Brilliant, uh, was he, it? Well, in terms of speech ratio. <laughs> Did he speak? <laughs> he didn't even say anything. Of not. And of course, what, what you've said in your book, and what what I know that you've said, and then and he's just <laughs> nodding. <laughs> well, Russell, that's an interesting point. Yeah, but what about this? Yeah, I know. I really I went for it, wasn't I? Because we only had a, a short while to interview him, mate, so I had to get in an hour-long interview in a 20-minute period of time. So no, that's not how it works. You only yeah. had some short time with him, right? Yep. So you spoke all over him. That's 
right. Well, I was. Uh, I had to get all my questions and everything I needed to say out, <laughs> and then Al can just phone it in Because <laughs> I would have been speaking over him just over an hour, so there would have been interludes where Al would have been speaking, but we had to remove that just mm. due to sheer necessity. Actually, Al Gore was a lovely man, and he's given me one of his books. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. An Inconvenience Sequel, Truth to Power, Al Gore. Uh, look at, look at that. He's fallen right into his web. For Russell Brand. Look at this, like I've won it uh, uh, like a sports day. For Russell Brand, best wishes, Al Gore. Yeah, see the wording the there, though. Matt Morgan's birthday, August 10. Yeah. Ah, gutted. Where's your Al Gore no, book, He didn't go to Russell, which sounds personal, for Russell Brand. Yeah. So he's probably just, for this him. one's for Russell Brand, this one's for someone else. That is so impersonal. It's an insult. Oh, no, no. This is, this might is as well a... have hit you around the head with that book. Oh, it's a treasure, this. This will be sleeping next to old Russ. This will be clutched at me old gutsies this evening there. What's he going on about? The environment? Yeah, the environment's got to sort it out, mate. You've broke it, apparently. It's in the right old state, the environment. Now, of course, you know, you know, climate change, all that sort of stuff. Very good interview, very good film. You know how, like, I if heard you... he had secret service agents following yeah. him around. Mm-hmm. Were you vetted? Probably. I bet they vetted me behind my back. Do you reckon? No, I meant, were you patted down? Was someone... I want to be... Check the old back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> my back pocket is in immaculate shape. Thank you. Just for your 40th birthday. Already you're thinking about rectal exams, aren't you? You're worried sick about your prostate and chuff. No, I'm not. Aren't you? No. When was the last time you had a digit up there, pal? Um, only ever happened... Well, I mean, what do you mean? <laughs> I want context. context. <laughs> medical. From a doc- oh, medical. Medical context from a doctor. I once uh, thought that I had a malady. Mm, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I went to the doctor, Dr. Matthewman, his name was. Go and on. I'll never forget him. Because his name was your name plus the word I, man. He said, lay down there, sideways on the couch. Mm. And in the sort of... I thought, well, this is going to take a while. He's going to put something like lubrication on his finger. And it's going to... He, he hadn't even done the sort of preamble. Yeah. And he went, doesn't feel like anything to me, but, you know, let's have a look. He was just straight in straight there. Straight up the jacksie. Even buy me a drink. <laughs> and it hurt. Dr. Matthew Mann straight up the jacksie. Mr. G is here. He'll be summarising all this in the have form you? of Hang poetry. On, don't move on from that without <laughs> telling me your have you, have you had a prostate? I've had the prostate. The prostate I've never check. had. Yeah. No. Now, I've never had my prostate checked. We're men as men, aren't we? We're men after the prostate checked. Yeah. Do it live on air. Come on. Mine's fine. I'm always having a little nose round. <laughs> well, listen, I think we've gone off track. Over the course of this show, we'll be doing DNA tests. We'll be celebrating Matt Morgan's 40th birthday. Mm. We'll be building up to the Matt Morgan Appreciation Society Awards, which will have by now happened. But also got... Awards well, event. Why do I think it's an award? I don't know, because that's the only way you'd turn up. That's right, if I'm getting Chance something. Chance of getting something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. I am an avid listener, says Gruff Jones from Cardiff. Nice to meet someone called Gruff, finally. I'm an avid listener and generally have no complaints about the show, but something has started grinding on me. Mm-hmm. Twice we now... that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> I don't know what they're referring to. <laughs> Twice now, Matt has referenced the mean of his surname. I can assure you this is a Welsh name and as a fluent Welsh speaker, I can officially inform you that it does not mean see bright as Matt so boldly claims. It does in fact mean see more song with mutation. Sea song. It means sea song, mate, your name. Song. Yeah. Song of Lots the of sea. love and kisses. Gruff Jones, Cardiff. I'll take that. That's even song. better. Little Matt Sea song. Shanty. Little Shanty Matt. Matt Shanty's going to be around here. Oh, actually, it should have been Griff. Gruff's not a name. Use next to I on a keyboard. Anyone knows that. Think of all the times in your life. Maybe you... it was a joke because of mm. Griff Jones. He's, I don't know. Well, because it's the Welshest sounding name in history. Yeah. 
Yep, 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 yep. Um, I've got lots of things to tell you about. I've been hanging out with gangsters. I've been living a life, baby. Yeah. I'm getting amongst it. My girlfriend's got a stiff neck. Don't start. And uh, <laughs> and, uh, and it's meant that I, I had to... You know you said that when you have to look after your kids, you feel like Aaron Brockovich, like yeah, a put-upon yeah. single mum. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm, or I may not be a lady, but I'm all woman. Like, you mm. feel like put-upon. Yes. That's how I felt when I've had to look after my baby all day. Now, anyone who criticises single mums, and I mean myself here, because I've always thought, you know, Come down hard on them. I'd now see the light because uh, oh it's God. ever so hard, isn't it? Looking after a baby on your own. Oh, and then you've got no something. one to help you. Yeah. Single parents of more than one child, I think, should be. No wonder when you start to see a single parent in the street, they look like glazed and knackered because it's exhausting. Yeah. I just done twelve hours of six uh, of uh, like of single parenting. What's wrong with Laura's neck? Because that, uh, what do you think it's a manifestation of? And in no, a matter, are you looking at this in Jungian terms? No, I'm like not. That's what you do. You'll you'll try and relate it back to God somehow. This relates to God most likely. This neck ache yours. It's almost as if you've got some pain in the neck. There's <laughs> <laughs> something in your life that you just can't bear to look at anymore. What, is it? what could it be? Some irritant, some grinding down on you. Oh, I was gonna because I uh, I've got a very good chiropractor and he's so uh, me out. What do you mean? Who? <laughs> you ain't got a good chiropractor. Adil Kamali. No, 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 no. He's very good. Why? What's he done for you All lately? sorts of stuff, mate. You're sat there, you look like a Malteser. You're hunched over, you're a wreck. No, you're, I'm not. You're a homunculus. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're all right. You're bolt up, No, mate. but look, she's got a stiff neck. It's all fixable. People go around, you know, like you just, she just needs to be adjusted. Hold on, mate. I had the doctor out. Like, you know, like, doctor, what do you are you fool? I had an osteopath. I've done both. I've done double bubble. I drove with the osteopath. I got the doctor around. What I was did they all over say? it. Walked around looking after baby, feeding it. It won't eat its dinner. His dinner? It. Well, I can't remember it. Look, <laughs> look, I had to change it. Snappy. Were you in the right house? Times. I don't know, G. They didn't want me there. I'll tell you that. But, <laughs> but there's no real change there. No, so I'm just being caring. I think, you know, like if she no, wants honestly, a recommendation. No, honestly, we went to an osteopath. I know a very good osteopath. Gordon Bosworth. I call him Gandalf, the bone bender. Strong forearms. Like a like a like a farmer grips you, agricultural grip. You feel moved. He understands systems. Oh. So he couldn't do anything. No, no, no. He done a great job. No, oh, but right. like, but it just takes time. She, yeah, she, yeah. the knock, the neck, it's all locked up. So like, listen, I've been doing like, I've been feeding the baby. I've been changing the baby. I'm walking around with a baby. I'm talking, communicating with a damn thing. And I will tell you what, it's a nuisance. How old is she now? Because. It gets easier. You're Nine in quite, months. Yeah, that's quite it's, it's a difficult time. It shoots I was up, up across the ground. In the winter, she slept on me on the couch because she got cold. Oh. Katie's ill, so I had to sleep on the sofa. I mean, we're both struggling. We're struggling along, aren't we? Don't you remember? That, oh, if, if if someone fell asleep on your chest in the old good old days when you were thirty or something, it'd have been a much nicer story. Now it's some snotty tot. Look at us, Matt. Yeah. We've changed. The world has changed. We're older men, but we're not going to let that hold us back. We're going to DNA test ourselves and find out what's the truth. Behind our physical forms. So the there's two types of DNA test. One tells us our genetic heritage. Good. One tells us what we're allergic to and what we need to avoid. Oh, no. You're going to be all over that and you're going to make all sorts over of... What else of could you not eat? What else could you do Loads to yourself? No, mate. I only have no gluten and no dairy. You're on the... And no caffeine. Front line of, of uh, hypochondria. Hi, Matt, Russ and G, long-time listener. You're both relatively new parents. Our baby's due on the 26th of August. I just wondered if you had any tips or purchases that you wish to uh, you wanted to tell us about. Also names. We don't know the gender and we're not keen on sex fruit or Russell part two. Cheers, your dags from Alex Holloway. I'd say get a uh, good baby monitor. Yeah. Get um, a perfect prep. 
machine that makes bottles. So you'd have to... Yeah. You're actually a good parent, aren't you? Because I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Ross <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was like, get a good wife. Get a damn fine. And then go out. <laughs> I tell you, you want to be at least 100 yards from the premises at all times. There's this little thing that was scrambling around making a racket. No, I'm deeply, deeply in love with the child. It's actually melting my mind. Hi, Russ, Matt G and David De Gea. I had a dream which heavily featured Russell, says Dan, from Slough, and wanted to share it with you. The dream started off with a world war kicking right off. And Russell and I were in charge of getting medication for our troops. Good. First, we went to see Russell's aunt, Dot Cotton, but she was ever so worried and nervous. Do you think this is a real dream? Dot, like, uh, 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 and she was no good to us. Then we went to a pharmacist. We're taking advantage of the war. Their prices were extortionate. It's very well. My dreams don't have this kind of evolving narrative. They're very tangential, very odd. Trapped. Trapped. So trapped. Mine are rubbish. Oh, it's just like a do a recent awkward one. thing in a cupboard. Yeah. That's what it always is. Last night, I dreamt that I couldn't breathe. I kept waking up and I had winter on my chest. And I was thinking maybe it's... But when I had, You're a hypochondriac, even in your dreams, where you could I'm go not, anywhere and do breathe. anything. <gasps> and then when I woke up, I could breathe. And it was... But when I was a kid, I had asthma a bit. Mm. Did I ever tell you that? No, God, no, you never mentioned it. You were really stoic. In fact, when we met, you were all forever tugging away on one of them asthma pipes. Yeah, used to that's when I gave up there. He stopped having asthma. So, Ooh. in your face. There you go, oh, see? It does help all this stuff. We shouldn't be eating dairy. All right, so then in this dreamland, we went on a submarine. We found an elderly lady who said she was able to help us with all the drugs we needed. Russell said to her, should we have a little kiss first? An elderly lady, eh? And proceeded to passionately French kiss her, at which point I laughed so much in my dream and also in real life that I woke myself up. Analyzed that. Well, mate. He's got a good memory, mate. I think you've seen that film Dunkirk. Yeah. And it's all the, all the propaganda of Dunkirk. That's gone in there. Dot Cotton, I suppose, in a way, I'm a little bit like Dot Cotton in some regards. No, I don't know why you've tied that together. But mm, what's going I don't need to know what's going on in your life, Dan, from Slough. I mean, I've been to Slough, and pretty much you are in a war zone. No, Slough's all right. I like it around there. It's quite nice. Now, listen, there's all sorts of joy and glory coming up. But before that, let's get in. Let's fund this bloody vehicle, shall we? Let's fund it with an advert. Radio Russell Brand. Chinese restaurant offering discounts to women with bigger boobs faces backlash. Bigger as well. That's insurmountable. No matter what you go there with, they want more. They do say that Chinese food is quite Moorish, but they're applying it now even to the upper body of human females. A restaurant has come under fire for holding a promotion aimed at giving discounts to women with larger breasts. Trendy Shrimp, which is in itself a bad taste name, sparked <laughs> complaints for locals to the council when a sign appearing outside established advertised lower prices for women with bigger cup size. This needs investigating. The poster in a mall in Hangzhou, China, all right, it weren't happening in England, shows cartoon versions of women with varying chest sizes along with a tagline, the whole city is looking for breasts. A price list on the right-hand side shows that women with an A-cup bra get 5%, whereas G-cup, 65% discount. The sliding scale between... They've really put a lot of effort into this. Shows the increase in correlation with breast size increase. What? Women were to claim their discounts from female waitresses to avoid, and like it's called trendy shrimp. I think that like the the owners of this, that I think that's a bit. Well, it's a bit sexist, isn't it, mate? It's a bit sexist, but then look, women had to claim the discounts from female waitresses to avoid the embarrassment of dealing with male staff. So they've thrown that in at the end. Hey, but listen, you don't have to deal with the guys. <laughs> That'd be terrible. We're not sexist. They're pretty yeah. forward-thinking here at uh, Trendy Shrimp. <laughs> listen, at Trendy Shrimp, we don't judge people. Also, just... if you show us your bum, you get your meal for free. But <laughs> now, look, you don't I... have to show it to anyone, male. <laughs> listen, if you're prepared to do a little wee-wee in this aquarium, 
and allow the boss to slosh about in it. <laughs> you can have as many prawn crackers as you want. All right, listen, but no one, we'll, we'll, we'll avert our glances. Two girls, one shrimp. Yeah. Disgusting <laughs> business. That, that restaurant, should, not only should that promotion be stopped, the restaurant should be closed down. And to check that it's all, all right, me and Matt... Customer numbers uh, rose by about 20%. Oh, it actually works. Girls, we met were very proud. They had nothing to hide. So hold on a minute, they're standing up for this. Maybe we should be more sexist and more running restaurants in China. I don't know, Matt, sounds a bit wrong to me. Doesn't it? Yeah, also, I don't know. I mean, what if it was Winky Woos? I'd be standing out there trying to jostle myself into a discount. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. I could, no, I could get another 5%. <laughs> yeah, and you'd have to show it to male staff members. There you go. What do you think of that, sir? <laughs> you could have another grain of rice. Now get out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's life. It's life that you've chosen to live, and it's life that you are living. We are some human males on Radio X. Priests turned away from pub in stag do misunderstanding. That story's been all over the news. Actual priests were kicked out of a pub for wearing priest costumes. Yeah, and the name of the... This has been sent to me a few times, because the name of the bloke was Matt Morgan. Interesting, isn't it? Matt Morgan, the assistant manager at the City Arms, said the group were great sports and saw the funny side of the situation because they don't allow stag do's in this boozer and they assume when they saw a big gaggle of uh, uh, frocked up cocks that these guys would automatically be stags, but actually they were clerics. Yeah. But they did... They looked like, on a stag day, you'd be wearing a comedy priest outfit. Yeah. They looked like proper... Yeah, and there'd be bits of dandruff on it and like sort of like a... Oh. What do you mean? Well, you're a man of God these I days. love the Lord. I love the Lord. I you could be a cleric. Besmirch the whole clerical just... community with dandruff. <laughs> All I'm saying is, is if you're a genuine priest, you ain't got time to worry about your scalp. You're thinking about the Almighty. And I'm not suggesting that they've all got dandruff. I'm just saying that that would be one further layer of what authenticity. is a bit of a bit of the old fiola gubbins. Do you, uh, do I get you, beard druff. Do you now? Oh, the time well, of years. As well. You just get like... Druff? Yeah. Dandruff of the beard. That was called beard druff. I don't know. That's what, what I call it. <laughs> do you think that we could be priests? Do you think that you could no, be one? Of course and not. And do you think I could be one, more importantly? Because I do think I could be one. You could not. One. No, you could be a priest. You could easily. I could. I could do the easily. proselytizing so and the banging on. He is so I'm close. I'm borderline. I'm borderline really priest. You think you could be a priest? Yeah. You have to do loads of boring stuff as well. Nah. It's not what? all just standing up there doing stand-up to a crowd every Sunday. <laughs> Come on, mate. loads of stuff. I wonder, no one can stop me qualifying if I wanted to qualify as a priest or an imam or, a, you know, swami or something. You only got to give up. Really? I'm sure you have to go and train at priest college for Can't ages. Can't take long. Can't also, take long. Also, priest. What, you mean in the Catholic Church? You Any can't have them. a wife. Yeah, I know. I know. I won't. But anyway, I would want to start my own religion. The doorman basically said something along the lines to these priests. Sorry, gents. We have no policy. Of, 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 we have a policy of no fancy dress and no stag do's. Said Father Doyle said the situation was just gold. They loved it. They saw the funny stuff. They why are they going to a pub? What do they want? What do they actually How want? How would you prove priests? that you're a real priest? Like, hopefully, you better show some sort of connection, genuine connection to God. Saying, so, no, honestly, I really, really believe that if you go deep within yourself, there's a sense of inner peace or something like that. I'd ask them to quote scripture. Come on, mate. Just do something from Colossius. Who? It's one of the best That's bits. A WWF wrestler. <laughs> yeah, but can you so thing apart from that bit out of Pulp Fiction that's not even in the Bible? Yeah, that's not proper Bible. No, hold on a minute. What's that thing about fear I saw when I was in Nick in Brixton? That's right, Nick in Brixton. I was visiting to do a poem. Um, I, I was in a chapel at Brixton and it said, 
fear. He said about fear. Thou shalt not fear. It was out of Isaiah. I liked it a lot. Oh, no, I can't remember it now. No, my mind's replacing it with something out of June. Fear is the mind killer. Oh, no. My stupid, <laughs> useless brain. Well, don't worry. Yeah, yeah no, I can't really remember anything from the script. No, I would never make it. I, I, I wouldn't qualify. You're quite right. What skeleton? Oh, that skeleton out of a... Uh, all right. No, I will say something religious. I was down that Norwich Cathedral. After prompted. <laughs> <laughs> what skeleton? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, Gals prompted me. Into being, well, what about in Norwich Cathedral, there's a skeleton right. image on a wall, like a concrete bust, say, and it goes... Or a tablet, let's call it. Stone, not concrete. All right. <laughs> carved, isn't it? Yes, right. right. Cast. It's carved, not cast. Yeah, you're right. All right, don't get all like crafty about it just because you spend too much time in your garage painting them little soldiers is that what you've been doing i haven't done that for ages actually (laughs) anyhow it goes this little skeleton as you are now those little guys (laughs) (laughs) you stay well away from as you are as you are now i once was and as i am now you will one day be what the skeleton enjoy the rest of the cathedral yeah something like that but it's from 500 years ago yeah, that's pretty good. That's a tomb, isn't it? It's Probably a, a knight's tomb. Puts you on a massive downer, but also an upper, because you think, you're right, actually. And suddenly the gift shop prices don't seem so unreasonable, <laughs> given that we have got a finite amount of time here. I don't find that sort of thing depressing. I think it's you like grounding. It. You go, oh, yeah. Everyone's going to die. Oh, Fun, because you're not a skeleton yet. You're not a old skeleton. Although, as you told your son unwisely, we are actually skelly bellies. Right inside us, there's an old skelly belly doing his works. Wasn't there like lots of things when we were kids? When there children's books and TV shows about skeletons all rattling around, and wasn't there that one out of bloody Super Ted? That one like old text, old bloody hell. Oh, hey, his personality's gone into me. Yeah. Oh, thanks. He was camp, and C-3PO was, was camp in a sort of same mm. uncanny way. A skeleton and a robot, they're sort yes. of half dead. Yes, and the archetype, this is Jungian archetype oh, there, God. mate. Look it's... how excited his little leg went up. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate this to my utter nonsense. <laughs> Tell you why, that's a, that's a homophobia in there. They're saying that like no, camp people... Not. No, well, for what is the essence of the sissy, the Nancy, the idea of the camp stereotype it's is that it's not male, archetype. it's not material. Oh, yeah, is, but where does theatre come from? Is... Theatre comes from ritual. Ritual comes from religion. Religion comes from ritual. Theatre and religion. In his own hand. Wasn't it back in the day, back in the day, um, women weren't allowed in the theatre, so men had to play female roles. Yes. And that's where the campness comes from. No, I, ah. but like, but not all of the... That wouldn't explain uh, the continuation of it into... Uh, and why would certain People characters do, be denied? They would play all of them. Right, like, the, the, this idea about, like, a C, C-3PO and Bones out of Super Ted, both being camped. Oh, R2. Oh, bloody hell, R2. I've all gone to bits. Like, uh, those, that archetype, I like that because what it's saying really is that these the material is loosely held together. They're not strong. They're not grounded. And that there's a campness. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's like a, an interesting idea because in early cinema, them ca- like that, like characters like, like, you know, like in British TV, we've got like Kenneth Frank Williams, Frank Spencer, all of that. Yeah, it's like that they're not earthed. They're not male. So I think it is a bloody good stereotype, like or archetype rather than stereotype. And like... All this stuff about Jung that I've been reading at the moment is about how they're in common there are motifs in con- in our consciousness that keep recurring and keep presenting throughout culture. This was an amazing little bit of analysis I got off of that guy Terence McKenna, who's a big sort of cosmonaut of the world of psychedelics. Him? No, you haven't. Sadly, he's dead. Oh, but... he's dead. I always ask you that, don't I? Yeah. Because but... you bring him up like you've met him. 
I know because I like him. He says this thing like that when you take DMT, you go into the first of all, you go into a world. And, and, and we interviewed on Under the Skin on the most recent Under the Skin. These uh, doctors that are working with psychedelics in Imperial College, right. and um, wow, they, yeah, I know, I know. It sounds amazing. They say like you know, and obviously they're doing it under clinical conditions and doing it very sort of sensibly, medically and academically. But they say that when DMT is administered, people have an archetypal or common experience of going yeah. through this sort of geometric world. So it's sort of, that's sen- that suggests to me that there is something essential about geometry no, in consciousness. And the machine elves and the, you, there is an ex- there's a shared experience, isn't there? That's right, Matthew. I, know, I read loads of. There's an amazing website called Erowid, E R O W I D, and yeah. it's all. It's like um, pharmacology students, I think, started it, but like trip reports of different drugs, right? And the DMT stuff, they all have the same essential experience of meeting these little creatures who'd say you're not going to be here yet and stuff. Yeah, or sometimes they'd be quite giggly and joyful, these peculiar entities. Well, like Terence McKenna goes into a greater description. Now, I've spoken to other people about ayahuasca, and they've said that you know the meeting entities and other form of consciousness is very common, and often they bear the inflection or accent of your culture, like people that have had a Hindu indoctrination, see Hindu deities and and, and so on and so forth for Christians, or even secularised people might meet someone that seems like a psychiatrist or an analyst. But like uh, what, like Terence McKenna said, is that these unconscious, you know, because if you think about it, if you're taking DMT or some other psychedelic, you're accessing part of your consciousness that you wouldn't typically access. You're meeting aspects of the self or the consciousness that you're not normally dealing with. And Terence McKenna says that these themes and ideas are found present culturally, sometimes in unexpected ways. And he made this rather tangential, bizarre, and I thought beautiful connection. He said that right at the core of our culture, in the most materialistic and sort of pop and ridiculous way, is a common myth that there's this wise, benevolent old man who, at the winter solstice festival, has all these elves and pixies. And what do these pixies do? They make toys for the innocents. They make playthings for the innocents. And where do they live? North Pole, the Axis Mundi, the centre of the world, the core of the world, the core of the consciousness. So what Terence McKenna, I mean, whether he's being glib or comedic or not, he says that these often cultural myths emerge that have some form of basis. And although we're being a bit yeah. stupid about C-3PO and Bones, all these, like, you know, like, like when there's a continuum of religious themes or cultural themes or cultural ideas, they're coming from somewhere. And I don't think they're always coming from, you know, like, oh, it's just a practical thing. We have to have stories to guide us across the river it's like the, you know it's our experience of being alive I think Jesus create. should have had a camp sidekick in the Bible and would have yeah, helped gonna... connect us to it a bit more yeah I think so oh no Jesus don't <laughs> oh Jesus don't tell him that but he ain't already oh I don't want any more loaves full up <laughs> oh stop shoving on here how about a bit of a rye I've had 500 of those bloody fishes already yeah he's walking across there look at him bold as brass <laughs> here, he's put... not falling in <laughs> you soppy old so oh, I get back in the boat, don't show off. No, <laughs> oh, if you got it, flown it, I'll say. <laughs> it was at the, the end, he'd be all sad and he'd be like the one holding the sponge on the stick trying to feed him. Yeah, and then in that bit, he wouldn't be so all See, he camp. was the truly strong one all the way through. I'd go, how are you, Let's mate? rewrite the Bible. I've said it before <laughs> and I'll say it again. It needs improving. Now, I say we crack on. We'll have a new version out by tea time. That would be a good bit, the bit where the camp sidekick at the foot of the crucifixion mm. sort of like is all no, serious actually, I was now. reading about Alien, the movie Alien. Yes, yes. And in the archetypal story of Monster in the House, right, which yes, is type Alien of story, and type of format. most monster films. Is Jaws that? 
Yes, Jaws is that. The uh, the house is the town. Is the realm. House yeah. is Do you not know what? And there's always a sin, and the sin in Jaws was greed. Right, they and wanted the, to not tell the people that the yeah, shark was coming. And that yeah, for money. And the sin in Alien is actually greed because they wanted to capture the alien. They, so they stopped that, the company, you know, the evil yeah, yeah, company, yeah. right? And mm, so... Um, it's a weapon. And there's a character in all those films called the Half-Man. And in Jaws, there's someone who's already been attacked by a shark and actually lost a limb or something, right? Yeah, is that Robert Shaw's character? I, I don't know. And then in Alien, it's the robot, the android, mm. who actually comes sort of... So it's the question of, of Alien is what does it mean to be human? Mm. Apparently, because why is the half man at some points more human than the others? Yes. Like has traits and attributes yeah. and characteristics that we should aspire to. So yeah, there is a point. Like films that are resonant and C. powerful, like quite a important character in Star Wars, isn't he? Does they are stuff. the messengers. They carry the information, don't they? They're like you know they're literally like you know like you've said before on this show. They're ca- like that 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 was taken from a, a Japanese film, yeah. which would have come probably from folklore. Yeah, for me, this is I find that stuff intriguing because it hints at certain truths when those yeah. motif when those motifs are repeated and when they're effective. You don't yeah. remember stories that don't happen. Stories are like it's interesting actually reading about screenwriting, right? Because apparently, Die Hard is essentially the same story as Home Alone. Yeah, it's like a defense of a building by one mm. person using, you know, it's the same, and almost beat for beat, apparently. Apparently so Harry could, Potter and Star Wars, the same yeah. deal. Like, there's a famous, there's a thing online where they've printed it out as an essay and then they just swap words like, Harry Potter has to leave yeah. ta- Tatooine. That's the hero's and, journey. So it's yeah. like, there's the wise council and there's like the... Yeah, Hagrid and Ben Kenobi. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Because like there was a, there's one model of seeing the world is the world is made up of things, and the other model of seeing the world is the world is made up of action. And on a male- on a sort of from a physical level, that's like, do you believe in waves or do you believe in particles or do those are are those things interchangeable? Like, is this a stage for which action takes place, which I suppose implies a certain morality? It implies that choice is important. Whereas if you see it as a physical and material world, and I am a material girl then like morality yeah. becomes less important because we're just sort of objects and i suppose that's what ideally like sort of uh, sort of utopian idealism versus materialism boils down to if you think that there are moral choices to be made and that's why i've gone a bit religious top loader <laughs> <laughs> actually we're gonna go lower it's adverts no offense top loader adverts with sky broadband super fast you get reliable broadband here <laughs> smells good there. Morning! Uh, and everywhere. Ah, sorry! Get guaranteed Wi Fi in every room or money back with Sky Broadband Super Fast. So reliable, it's minion proof. Sky, believe in better. Requires Sky Broadband Boost and Sky Kit in fibre areas only. Speeds vary by location. Minimum 3 megabits or refund on boost component of subscription paid during current minimum term up to date of claim. See sky.com slash guarantee. You're listening to Russell Brand on Radio X. I don't think that was top loader. It was just been reminded, of course, that we see Steve Prepio is a friend of this show. We could probably get him back on, you know. He'd probably come on. Let's get him back. Let's get Steve Prepio back. Anthony something. Anthony Daniels. Yeah. Anthony, Anthony Daniels. Daniels. And he was well funny. And G reminded me that I was C3PO yeah. in the film. I was with C3PO dreadlocks. with dreads. C3PO with dreads I played. Bloody good bit of acting Bad by me. Bedtime stories with Adam Sandler. Well done, Matthew. Well done. It's Very nice. Well, I saw you. I came and visited you on the in the trailer when I was all done up in gold. You had misery guts when you were doing that. <laughs> was I, mate? I thought yeah. I was. Was I? How do you mean? Yeah. Well, it's weird, wasn't it? Because Adam Sandler just is watching baseball all yeah. the time. He's like, "Yeah, hi, buddy. Yeah," and he just watches baseball. And they go, "Okay, Adam, we're going to do a take," and he just strolls in and does it. Yeah. 
And then you were like all painted gold and covered in plastic <laughs> stuff and dreadlocks in your trailer. Yeah. Matthew, there's some food on the side. You can have it. Miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I was ever so down in the dumps, but mind you, back in them days, I was in love with Teresa Palmer, weren't I? I met her on that film. Only because I told you to be. You did not tell me to be. Did you? Yes. Why? I visited you on that set, that yeah. this very day that I speak of. Yes, yes. And I saw her and I thought, hello. <laughs> and I said, like, to you, gosh, she's beautiful. Yeah. And you literally went, is she? Do you think she's beautiful? Uh, <laughs> I'll get her then. <laughs> Spite you. Because I was thinking, she's way out, like, there's no way I could... Right. I was talking to her. She was very friendly. Within mm. about two minutes, you're in love with her. Yeah, I am a bit suggestible, aren't I? And that's when I had to call up Paul McKenna to get him to hypnotise me out of being in love with her because I couldn't focus on my, it ruined, it was my ruined real job. job. Womanising with the extras. <laughs> <laughs> at least you're at base level there. Yeah. You, you know, like you'd gone to the queen of the kingdom. I know. I mean, and Paul like, McKenna had to say to you, "Imagine her head on a dog's body." Do you remember all that stuff? I'm going, oh, Paul, this is making me like her more. I love this dog's body, <laughs> sexual, polyamorous, mad woman. You're making me imagine. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll try some of my other techniques. But these techniques definitely do work. Paul McKenna, he's a brilliant mind bender. And Teresa Palmer, what a wonderful love affair that she's, was. She's um, quite. She's. I think she's got two or three children now. She's. She's sort of an expert on. Parenting. And parenting and stuff, sort of hippie parenting. Well, she escaped the flames of a fire. Well, I mean, no. I'm not that I'd follow her. Oh, God, no, no. You're right what about could me. could have not... been and all that. I never did like the acting. I remember being trapped in them caravans, all sad for yeah, myself, hate, all done up in gold. All it ever was yeah, was being in them. a caravan yeah. waiting for someone to come and, you know. For it's ages. just like being in Margate again when you're a kid. It's no different, except for Adam Sanders outside watching baseball, which is brilliant. And I'm, I've done a little bit in a film the other day for Jessica Hines, who I like a lot, the actor. Oh, yeah, from Spaced. That's her. I like her because I like her. And even within about half hour of being in this boxing gym called Time, like I was just doing it as a turn, as a favour, being a referee in a boxing gym, I was annoyed in about five seconds. I was already being difficult. I don't like having costumes put on me. I don't like being wired in a microphone. I don't like being told what to do. I don't like being... I've got the wrong... what being in a film is. (laughs) I know. Uh, All of that. It's like I've got the wrong type of personality. No wonder things went terribly wrong. I did try and tell everyone at the time. You say he won't like this. Did you? Did you try and tell people? No, I didn't. Yeah, you I just watched done. it quietly and thought, this will go wrong. He <laughs> 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 won't like that. <laughs> oh, he's not going to like having that put up his that shirt. again, but can we try it from... No. No, why? I've done Perfect. it. Did you film it? What's wrong with you? Oh, no, we just need another... Oh, no, no, I, I can't. I can't. the camera was on, you've got it. There you go. Work it out in post. Come along. Right, now we've got to do a phone call now because it's not just about us, is it? Or is it? Yes. I but, don't know who the phone call is. Well, it's actually our friend Fran. Now, last week we talked about death, death, everywhere, death, bloody death. Hopefully we'll live forever in some sort of other form as pure consciousness. We some don't people know. might one I, day. No proof, no proof. You're working on it, baby. You all have to see we'll everything. miss it. You always see things through a scientific lens. I don't know what they've done to you at that Catholic school. That's good, I don't know. It? Science giving is... you the opportunity to live forever. I'm saying it's sort of possible. I don't want to do it scientifically. I want to do it in a magic way. Thank you very much. Now, <laughs> on the phone, we've got Freya Jacka, Freya Jacka, out of that song for children. No, we haven't. <laughs> we've got uh, we've got Freya, and Freya 
is was she came to the attention of the show because she said we should talk about death more rather than inducing feelings of it in subliminal ways with our content. So uh, have I got a, a piece of paper on dear Freya so that I can... Freya was Odin's inter wife. Interview her adeptly. Huh? I think Freya was Odin's wife. Is it? Freya, are you there? And were you Odin's wife? Hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> um, yeah, my husband looks a bit like Odin. Does he? Bearded, you say? Yeah. Burly, he is. is he? Nordic. <laughs> I, some, I, sometimes I meet a, I, I sometimes I meet a burly Nordic man, and I must say my reactions are uh, their textbook. The other day I was at Wilderness Festival, and you know those people assembly that do uh, thank mm -hmm. you secular they do secular services, so they'll oh, get yeah, a sort yeah. of something like a marine biologist to do a speech about dolphins blowholes. I'm all about this. I love this. Yeah, I love dolphins blowholes, as you know. I'm always talking about them, and then they'll uh, they'll sing like you know a Bob Marley song or whatever. That's right. what church should be, and they should use old churches to do this. Is they do do that, don't yeah, they? Yeah, but you, they do do that. Assembly, they're already doing it, and you can do it. But I don't agree with removing the mystery of what where does consciousness come from. That's the only thing I'd argue. Now, Freya, <laughs> I, I met a Viking. Yeah. I met a Viking man there, one of the lads that was running it. I can't remember his name now. He was a lovely, big, burly Viking person, and I, probably I stayed in the cuddle a bit too long. I could have got out of it, but I stayed. I was just enjoying the solidness of his oaken chest. Oh. So, Freya, you're, you're Freya Spaulding. 23 years old, and you've been in the funeral business for five years. Tell us what yeah. in the holy name of the Lord you're up to. <laughs> well, um, I work on my own at the moment, but I work for a company. Um, and I do everything from taking the first call when somebody dies to doing the arrangements at the funeral, um, being at the funeral, dressing deceased, the whole lot. Freya, this proximity that you have to death and to the dead what is it doing to your attitude towards life um if i'm honest it makes you think about what you're doing a bit more you sort of live more in the moment um really weird things like watching your weight i know it sounds silly but when you die obviously we've got to pick up that person and the weight of some people now <laughs> you're keeping your weight down so you're not hefty in your coffin <laughs> in the afterlife kind of, yeah you don't to be, be on a cloud <laughs> but no, it does make you live more in the moment. And obviously, if you have something tragic come in, like a car accident or something, it makes you think about how you are on the road and <clears throat> things like that. It That's gives true. you gratitude and awareness. It gives you gratitude for your yeah. own life and it gives you awareness of the, the fact that, because I suppose nobody thinks that that's the day they're going to die, that death is coming. Exactly, yeah. Whew. All right, Freya, but you've found a way of dealing with that because when I start thinking stuff like that, maybe I get a little bit morbid. But how come you mm. don't get a bit morbid? Um, I don't really know. <laughs> you've got the right um, type of character. Yeah, I think you've just you have to have a sense of humour. You have to enjoy life um, to appreciate death, I suppose. Yeah, um, that's a and very poetic it, and romantic idea. In the midst yeah, of life, and, and death. It, it's obviously hard when anybody goes, especially if you love that person that much. But if you love them that much, then surely the funeral you'd want to do the best for them. They cared for you when they were alive or, you know, however the relationship was. So care for them when they're gone. And that's kind of how I think with everyone that walks in, they should try and do. Okay. So Freya, you're hurtling through life at the rate of knots. You're 23 years old. You're married to a Viking god or someone at least that looks like one. <laughs> yep. You're embracing the concept of death and you're running your own business, it sounds like. And you're embalming, you're dressing corpses, you're <laughs> dealing with the fragility of people that are recently bereaved. Tell us, what is the function of the funeral ceremony? How does it take, what does it do? It helps you to have an acceptance around death. It helps you to, to tell us what you think the point of the funeral is. Because your funerals are a bit unusual, aren't they? They're not 
not just a conventional feathery horse um, dragging <laughs> a, a plute like a carriage through the streets of Hackney. It's all weird stuff, <laughs> isn't it? Like people without a false horses theme tune playing and that. Well, yeah. Um, well, I work for an independent company. We're a very small company. Um, so being independent, you can um, do very small. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's, um, you, you can do Never whatever speak. you want with it, really. All right. So, um, go on. T- so tell us about some of your most unusual funerals. Okay. Um, well, I had the motorbike one. I think that's one of the most standout ones because there was... 70 plus different motorcycles he was in a gang i suppose and um <laughs> he had flames on his coffin um he had the red plate from whatever it was on the, his coffin as well at the foot end um and his best friend designed the trailer that took him to the crematorium that's kind of um, beautiful i suppose because the, the the ceremony had meaning it had personal and individual yeah. meaning rather than just a meaning that's borrowed from a tradition and i suppose if you don't have a particular and authentic connection to a tradition why not design a personal yeah. one what was that thing only fools and nurses or whatever you said in your because <laughs> um, the reason it, you're on it is because you were on the show last week in the form of an email now you're here as a human yes i have yeah, um, it's actually a, a company themselves, and they have Del Boy Trotters, um, Little Reliant, um, and with a little trailer on the back. Um, if you look them up, they're a very interesting company. Um, they're really lovely people, and I saw it at the National Funeral Exhibition. Um, mm. I got talking lovely. to them. Yeah, what's it like there? It's mental. <laughs> um, I heard the people around there. I heard people around death. Sorry to intru- uh, interrupt you, Fred. I heard that people that are around death a lot are a bit randy. What? I heard people around... You've sexualised I'm not sexualised... No, I will sexualise this a bit now for just a minute. (laughs) I've heard that people that are around deaf, they're randy because they're thinking... And I was actually thinking about it when I was down Al Gore's film, film, the other day, (laughs) right... I was watching all this feel if uh, Armageddon, all these fires and oh, floods. And I thought, oh god, this is giving me the right allness. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, let's let her answer on that. Freya, I'm going to call it an accusation. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm supposed to say about that one. Well, I think everyone. Well, when you're down that funeral party that you go to, the big funeral, not yeah. oh, oh, god. Funeral, what's the uh, vibe? Um, well, everyone is really excited to know the new up-and-coming things see? and see all the new trends, trends. Um, the crazy showcase. things that are there. Show me your case. Yeah. So it's like, so Freya, you're saying there's an atmosphere. Is it somewhat detached from must the Must be a lot of gallows humour. Must be a lot of gallows humour, is there? Yeah. Yeah, you have to. If not, I think you'd go a bit mental. That's right. Proxy- that's it. That's, we've got, I suppose in a way, comedy is, in fact, a... A, a, a mechanism for dealing with mortality, isn't it? Yeah. That, that behind life lurks death, that life eats death, that even if it's plants that you're eating, death is the price <laughs> of life. So funeral, yeah. excuse me, the passage between life and death is an important transition. I'm very interested in this. I'm uh, interested in yeah. the transition from accusing them of all being sex mad <laughs> to then going, I think it's, it's about comedy, really, I suppose. I suppose you perverts <laughs> like a good giggle do you, over the table, <laughs> over the slab, over the cadaver. Mm. I, no, I want to know a few more things. Wait a sec. How come you got in the funeral game, mate? Because uh, I'm weird. Um, I don't know. I've always wanted to. I've kind of been drawn to it, I suppose, from a young age. Um, no one in my family. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Hold on a minute. It's a bit gothic, probably. I mean, I don't like. I was trying to interview you in what is called a subtextual way, but now I'm going to interview you in a textual way. It says here that your interest was sparked when a lady whose house your mum cleaned and looked after mm-hmm. died. You weren't explained to you properly the nature of death, and suddenly yeah. you got this fascination with transience and mortality. Yeah. 
because I really looked up to her. Obviously, she was a lovely old lady, and um, yeah. So your mum done the cleaning. Your mum done the cleaning. She my <laughs> my mum, yeah, my mum cleans everywhere. But this was a lady who um, she thought looked up to as well, and was really lovely. Um, and so I got looked after her every now and then when my mum had to clean other houses in the area. Fred, and uh, yeah, so it was almost like a grandma sort of really. So how well, did you feel when she died, this lady? Um, well, I didn't know what had gone on. And it was only when I was older that I felt almost um, not wronged in any way. But I was kind of angry that my mum didn't tell me more about it. Actually um, angry. Yeah, and it, uh, that's another part of grieving, was most people find that they feel angry because unanswered questions, and it makes you frustrated inside that you can't answer them because there are no answers, which There's is no both answers. why people turn to religion or other you know, ideologies to try and help explain what they're going through and why it happened. Fred, don't um, just throw bloody millennia of religious faith down <laughs> into a bloody ditch in a casual side, <laughs> darling. I, I, Freya, I had to bury a chicken the other day. <laughs> Did you? How did that go? <laughs> <It's a euphemism. laughs> Not good. <laughs> I had a burning chicken. chicken. <laughs> Better happening. No, no, I'm vegetarian. Uh, although I suppose that was a oh, good yeah. opportunity. But like, it died because I blame the other chickens, actually. I think they turned on poor Sophie, the vicious... Oh, a murder. Chicken murder. I think so. I think so, Freya. Ronnie and Reggie, they've been put in their own... I, I'm reluctant to call it a sex wing, but it is a sex wing because of the way they behaved. It's absolutely terrible. Terrible cockerels. The professor looks a bit <laughs> like Foghorn Leghorn. I left him in there. Now, he does have his way, but they say he keeps order. Now, no, Sophie... They? Chickens. <laughs> <laughs> They, the, the, the experts. You're projecting all your neuroses on Illuminati. <laughs> Do you think I am projecting something? A little bit. It? Go on. All right. You see if my... Right. I want everyone to analyse this to see if this is my uh, neurosis being projected onto chickens or whether or not I'm actually just a great guy trying his best to get through life. So they all picked Sophie to death, right? And Sophie's corpse was found and uh, I had to dig an hole in the garden. Now, one thing I will say, digging is graft. Especially, even if you're yeah. trying to just dig a little hole, it's a bloody pain in the arse, isn't it? Because yeah. like, the ground, it, is, yeah. it wants to soften up a bit, doesn't it? All pebbles, it's all too hard. I'm digging away, digging, <laughs> digging. My girlfriend's trying to nominate spots. I'm saying, that's the wrong spot. That's the wrong spot. In the end, we ended up burying. There, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, room for one more. Good night. Good riddance. I've got my spade out. <laughs> I'm um, implying you hurt her neck. neck. Yeah, yeah no, great I know, it's in mime. It's the wrong medium for mime. So I thought, just jump on it, use that. So Anyway, I dug a hole for the chicken. I put it in there. I filled it in nice. I put a little uh, thing over it. I put it in a shoebox. Yeah, did you? In a shoebox. Yeah, nice. I bet you dig it up in a week. I've had another little look and it's coming on just lovely. <laughs> Skeleton chicken, I'm back from the grave. Did you mark the plot? Yeah, yeah. this lovely tr sort of soft triangle stone. You don't even know what a soft triangle is, do you? It's a triangle where the corners have been buffed. <laughs> There you oh, go. You Take that, Pythagoras, you dirty old bugger! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the it's where the it's where the triangle the corners have been buffed. Soft triangle. That's what it is. Did you buy that? It was just lying in the garden, so I use it. I know about masonry. That's what I've done. So I buried it out nice with a soft triangle. Let Freya go before we. <laughs> no, Freya, stay. Freya, don't go. Okay, just just talk through the ceremony very quickly. Freya, what, what a funeral ceremony? No, yours, Russell's chicken one. Oh, yeah, I, right. I, I, buried it. I said a prayer um, and I said I want to know why he, what why do you did want you put it? it in a shoebox? Why did you feel like you needed to put it in something before you put it to the ground? 
I think it was to honour the idea of importance and the idea of separateness. So I suppose, in a way, I feel responsible for those chickens because Crystal, the mum, she got all broody, but she couldn't have no babies because we didn't have no roosters back then. So we bought some fertile eggs, 10 eggs. She hatched a lot of them. And then I feel I'm responsible for these chickens. So when it died, frankly, too soon. Too soon! Say it so! I wanted to give her a bit of a send-off. Why did you say a prayer and then say you were ever so sorry? I said I'm sorry because I think I could have done a better job of being a chicken daddy. That's all. That's all. I could have done a better job. I could have protected her. Why didn't I put the professor? It's a very sweet thing that you did. Well, it's actually more my girlfriend, actually. My girlfriend keeps putting the animals in cages. Now, if you don't believe in Jung, you're not going to be able to go any further with that. But my girlfriend says, the roosters have got to go in the sex wing. So I put them in the sex wing, and then the females turn on each other. That's husbandry. Your men keep them away. I'll husband you in a minute. I know, you've tried. (laughs) then you I'll husband you in the small of the back. You just let everything run around. Bees, wolves, everything. <laughs> I like everyone to be free, Freya. Free and Freya. Well, now that, and now our chickens died. That might be of the it. cause of your right. death. Oh, God. But I think it was the girl chickens what done it. Anyway, listen, Freya, I want you to yeah. do my funeral. Uh, as you know, it's a state occasion. Westminster Abbey is on the yep, stand. Yeah, we'll have to get permission. No problem. I'm sure there'll be. I've uh, I've contributed to society. All I ask is that I can do the makeup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can you, do that if you want. You dare send me off like Widow Twanky on my big day. <laughs> Got a little red, little pursed red lips. Shave your eyebrows off and then draw on really high eyebrows like you're going. Ooh, <laughs> off I go. Open coffin. See you in the next world, baby. <laughs> Matt Moore, right? This this is a decree. Anyway, I don't think I'll die before you. You, you look very unhealthy lately. Look at you scratching away at your snout. You can barely even oh, breathe. You can do my makeup if I go first. All right, let's make a deal. Me and Matt have got a makeup deal on cadavers. <laughs> when it's just when we're down to a corpse, which surely one day will be, unless unless there's some way that we can transcend death. There must be a way. But if there isn't, we'll do makeup on each other's corpses. And Freya, you will drive yeah. the wagon. Matt's dearest of wish course, yep. is to be sent off on a Western-style wagon. No, it wasn't. It's to be chucked Too in late the now. Sea. Too <laughs> late. Because he, yes. he thinks he's got some connection. I, won't. I think Russell told me that he'd like to be wedged into a shoebox <laughs> stamped into his own garden. <laughs> I want to be ground out like a little fag butt. No, no, no. Uh, we'll work on the details of my funeral, but it will involve embalming, and I'd like to be up top of Nelson's column. All right, uh, Freya, thanks for coming on. I'm sorry if we were uh, a bit giddy and excitable. It's been a difficult morning. Al Gore was here earlier, so I've been uh, I've been ignoring I've been ignoring and talking over very important people today, <laughs> and you have just joined the list. Uh, thanks, Freya, for coming on. What's the name of your company? No do problem. a plug. Do a plug. What's the name of your funeral? Oh, no, I really can't, unfortunately. (laughs) Why? Why? Um, Just because it's not my company company. and I'd need to get permission. But go to Independence. That's what I'd recommend. Go to Independence. Go to Independence, not the big chains, man. Hey, man, I don't want to go out on a chain. I've done an independent (laughs) funeral, baby. All right, well, that's it. Death! Death is everywhere! (laughs) Thank you, Freya. Thank you, Freya. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. And on his deathbed, as he stared into the infinite white light, a vision came to him, a great vision. And this was its contents. Adverb! Russell Brand. This is Radio X.
That was the news. You're listening to Russell Brand on Radio X. I can only pray that everything is good and right with the world this Sunday. I mean, we've got our own news as well, of course, here. A train operator baffles its customers by randomly leaving creepy doll on seats. A train operator in Kuala Lumpur has gone to creepy lengths to make sure passengers behave themselves during their commute, placing a doll on the train to scare customers. It's a tangential inclusion of artistic ideas in a context in which you wouldn't expect it i.e. a municipal one, suddenly using voodoo dolls. I think that's there's a movie out, though, that's about a creepy doll. This looks like it might be a... Derivative... Oh, for promo. promo. I don't know, oh, though. Maybe there you're is, right. Because that's what it looks like. What, the creepy doll looks like It's that. something to do with the um, conjuring... It's like the second movie of that. It's got. It's called Annabelle. That's what it's called. Because advertising techniques have had to get more and more robust these days, and have to sort of infiltrate sort of culture. Because and then Kuala become... Lumpur. I don't know why. They'd... Yeah, well, why Kuala Lumpur? Why are you going for them so hard? I mean, what so it, you find it easy to believe this is a promotional activity for a film rather than a rogue train worker has started to put dolls... Because you'd lose your job, wouldn't you, I think, if yeah. you did start putting eerie dolls on empty train carriages. So it's interesting, like, about... Because I was thinking about horror. What I like horror. I'm writing a horror thing, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, the, like, kids are creepy in films. Like, ch- like dolls and children. And a lot of the time, the spooky thing is a child. They're always pale, little, way-faced bearers of bad tidings, aren't they? Yeah. In a horror film. It's You're weird. Right. You think, like... It's only a child, even if it's a ghost one. I reckon it's this. I reckon that, in a way, there's the amorality of children. One aspect of childhood is innocence, that they're beautiful and pure. The other thing is they're uncivilised. They've not yet been taught order and rules. And in fact, that, that the fact that they're closer to birth is like they're closer to death. They're closer to the unknown. They're closer to whatever realm it is that is not life. So there's something that's a bit eerie about them. I, mean, I, I think people generally, and children do it as well, are really creepy when they're asleep. So like, Ooh, what do you mean? Well, you like, don't like to see a, sleep, a sleeping person is eerie to I you. I once dated this Swedish girl. She sat up bolt upright in bed, and I was sat <laughs> I at my computer. Well, understand why she might. <laughs> Poor cow. <laughs> and she started going talking in Swedish, and I was going, oh, "Stop, stop!" <laughs> it was really freaking me out. She was just like staring into space, sat bolt upright, and started speaking Swedish. Like, did she were her eyes open? Yeah. She sat up in the dead of night, I'd opened her eyes and started chatting away in Swedish. Yeah. And I was sort of sat at my computer and I was, it freaked me out. And I was going, stop! <laughs> at first I was like, <laughs> and then it kept going on and on. And then she just looked all confused and went back to sleep. You've always loved the foreign. I have. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you? When I run through the roll call of Matt Morgan exes and even your present Very day lovely English wife. Women. Foreign. That's what you've always gone for, isn't it? Yeah, but no, I didn't plan to. Why are you trying to get a weight room? I don't know. I have dated English women, of course. <laughs> That's so lovely. You're like a person being interviewed there for a local paper. Well, of course, I've had my fair share of homegrown talent, <laughs> but I've always been drawn somewhat to the more exotic fruits that's available to you. Yeah, I don't know why. It makes it hard because you end up having long-distance relationships. That's right, which is... Good for them and these poor babbling night terry night terrorists. <laughs> no, but I was saying my children. Sometimes when your children, they when they're they've got a temperature or something, they'll lay there in bed going, <laughs> and it freaks me out. I think that's my own child who I love, but I'm a bit scared of them. Talking in tongues of an evening. I hope my Mabel don't start. Doing my mum that. sits up in bed and screams. 
Have you noticed that people with proximity to you have got this propensity <laughs> to sit bolt upright and start screaming? Because the whole day long they're repressing it. You're That's creepy why. when you're asleep. No way. What do you mean? When do you when watch We made that sleeping? documentary driving across America. Yes. After the time you were sat there holding a jar of peanut butter randomly <laughs> and asleep <laughs> in the other seat. And I used to look at you and you look... I stole that Jack Kerouac peanut butter off Kerouac's grave. Yes. And it was absolutely delicious. Oh, yeah, and that was where it came from. Kerouac was just you holding that like a dead Pope. Like it was some sort of adornment what, that a Pope would hold. Yeah, and like, those orbs. <laughs> <laughs> you look like... You, you were a pain in the arse on that you trip. He was always moaning about the trip. Dead. I did. <laughs> I've never felt more alive. Sat there with peanut butter all up my gums. I drove across America because the people oh, yeah. they'd given us to drive us were useless. Always moaning Couldn't about relax. the traffic. Always never enjoying the scenery or the sights. I loved the scenery. Never letting me get amongst it. Holding me back. I remember troubling... You, you I, slept half the way. Did I? A did I really? I did a lot of driving. You ruined a lot of my. Yeah, you actually just chauffeured me across the United States of America for a you documentary. Well, I had a Looking jolly like good a nap. Corpse. <laughs> People are eerie when they're kipping. Death it's keeps coming about up. Sleep. All right. So if you are that, if you are that train worker, stop it. And if you are China, all right, look at yourself now. Are you China? Right. Good. Are you occupying Tibet? Get right out! What the hell are you doing there? What have we said to you? We've told you to stock up your pants. I can't believe you've had no effect on that situation. <laughs> Why won't they listen to me? Why won't they listen to my edicts, these people? All right, so look, we've been saying for days now, Matthew, that we're going to do a DNA test, and finally that day is now day. It's a DNA test. We're going to arrive at that Matt Morgan Appreciation Society Award Gala starring Russell Brand, fully <laughs> knowing our heritage, no, knowing absolutely won't. everything about us, won't we? Why? It takes is it immediate? ten days. It's not immediate at all. all Russell thought do... it was a pregnancy test if it was going to go bing bing you're a neanderthal <laughs> it wouldn't say that to me wouldn't it go oh we've never seen dna like i can't wait to get this but so we do a bit of a swabbing in the old gums and then we you, send it, it says off. you swirl it around your cheek for a minute got it got it's it. not great radio no it'll be fine that'll be fine i can talk with something in my mouth i've been learning i've been doing the practice son right so all i have to do is pop pop the swab in the gob and away we go that. i can't even get one. Oh yeah go i wouldn't be at all surprised to find out that uh, i'm a new type of dna that they've not yet seen before Wait a minute. What? You haven't read the instructions. Don't, if that touches your microphone, you'll be half Johnny Vaughan. <laughs> <laughs> this is brilliant. He's, uh, he's a, What's this? He's gone into a northern curmudgeon every morning. Oh, no. At <laughs> drive time, he gets very, very adrenalised all of a sudden. Oh, no. He's, now he's a lofty, good in the air, centre forward. <laughs> Listen, right. you haven't read the thing. You never do things properly. Come Let's on, do you it tell properly. Me the thing. I just rub want to get it this on up your my cheek cheek for a minute. It's going in. I don't rub it. Why do you like have to rub it? Like a bloody toothbrush. Stick it in there. No, Mine's you in. rub it around. Get the che- it's cheek cells. What do you mean? Get the cheek cells. My cheek cells ain't all loose like yours. Rub it around. around. Rub it around. <laughs> Look at your cheek cells. They can barely cling on to life. Mine are grip on. They're made of finer stuff. The walls are mine. Rub it around. I'm rubbing it. I'm rubbing it. Oh, no, I think I've got a bit of Vaughn spit on there now. Right, how long we done? Mm. That's got to have been a minute, isn't it? Mm-mm. I'm bending no, this near. stick upwards. It's in my no, way. don't. don't. It says you, bra- test. you break off the stick at the at the end. Break it off at the stem? Oh, twist it off at the stalk. Oh, they don't like it up them. What uh, else I'm doing do? mine properly. Your DNA's going to be Yours rubbish. will come back and just go unclear. No, <laughs> well, don't you dare. Don't you dare criticise my queer, ancestors. Query human. <laughs> Mine will say Robin Hood. No way. <laughs> you're... 
I think it'd be right gaggling nerds and ne'er-do-wells oh, and twits and moaners oh, and hypochondriacs. Disease as far oh. back as the eye can see. I think G Plague said, what if we send them off? Smallpox there. Comes back and they go, brothers. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Oh, no, mine's kings and queens as far as the eye can see. Yeah, come on, that must have been a minute. Oh, my cheek cells are killing me. Oh, right, it's I'm quite stick- sharp. I wouldn't give myself an ulcer. Ugh, Matthew, you ain't getting off on that, you weirdo. <laughs> Here, have a look at mine. <laughs> Have a look at my one. I've popped it back in its sheath. Right, now my... even know because you haven't read the thing. See that weak point there? Yep. Yeah. There ain't no weak point in mine. My DNA is good as gold. Look at yours, brittle. Snap the thing at the weak point like that. Snap it off. You've got that vibe. Oh, yes, it's in there. Right, there you go. Now, in this test tube, there is a potential for a brand new now, society. Now, t- put the, the lid. Oh, sugar. There's Where's another the thing. Hang on. Hold on a minute. What's this little silver thing? Oh, Who's this guy? That. We need some scissors. Hold on. Won't we meant to in this tablet? Don't What's this a... guy? Hang Who's on, that? There's a little Pepsi pill oh, in I here. I think he... Oh, God. I think he goes in the... Wait. I'll eat it, shall I? Don't eat it. <laughs> what is he? It's probably that stuff that keeps things dry. What's they it called? They should. They put that in my dog meat. They shouldn't do it. Yeah. They shouldn't do it. Not in my dog silica meat, gel. darling. Don't put that... In, don't oh, put silica God. gel in Nanny's tablet. There is something to do with that tablet, but you oh, certainly don't boring. eat it. this is boring. Who cares about where we're from? Who cares? We're all the same, aren't we? Under the skin. Uh, you put the tablet in the top of the tube. What now? Yes. Right, in you go, darling. Now, Gareth, you've touched that with your stinking northern DNA. Oh, now, now it's going to say that I'm a coal miner. You're working in Hull in a harbour. You're supporting Hull. You're worrying about Dean Windass. These are all references. I've done mine properly. Right, just don't mix them up. Don't mix them up. Why don't we swap them over? They'll never know. Oh, God, I do not want to have his results. Look at yours. (laughs) And then stick your barcode on yours. I don't want to go through life thinking I've got Russell's DNA. I tell you what, you'd be bloody lucky to have my DNA. What do we do with it now? Well, that's that you tube. Wouldn't know. That's if that it came gun. back, you wouldn't. You wouldn't desk. know if you if you'd got my results and I got yours. And we start living each other's lives. What could it work? Could it possibly? Should we? All right. So there it is. Soon we will know. We will get to the bottom of these problems. Ten well, days. Ten days time. We'll know why Matt Morgan's the way he is and why I'm the way I am. If science is to be trusted, and in many cases, of course, it is. Technology. Delicious. Medicine, why not? Astronomy, thank you very much. Chemistry, don't mind if I do. But the great philosophical questions. Ah, there we must look within. Deep, deep within. And what's in there? It's adverts. With Sky Broadband Superfast, you get reliable broadband here. (laughs) Smells good. There. Morning. (sighs) And everywhere. (laughs) Sorry. Get guaranteed Wi-Fi in every room or money back with Sky Broadband Superfast. So reliable, it's minion-proof. Sky, believe in better. Requires Sky Broadband Boost and Sky Kit in fibre areas only. Speeds vary by location. Minimum 3 megabits or refund on boost component of subscription paid during current minimum term up to date of claim. See sky.com slash guarantee. Ah, Majesty, many were the long winter nights where your late father and I would scramble from the chambers of Hampton Court, making our way into the orchard, giggling as we went, tugging at the back of each other's pyjamas, already threadbare from the night's activity, and there, in the corner of Hampton Court maze, happening upon a hound, we'd grip it, first by its shoulder blades, then by the base of its spine, and producing an emery board, which by now I knew well to take from my vanity case, would file it down the tip till it was a cross-section of cells. I've got Al Gore's tissue here, mate. 
Al Gore's tissue. He yeah, was, do you know what? He was dabbing. Don't. Oh, we can use his DNA. Right, let's find uh, out. You know what? Going I, this on is interesting, right? Listen, when Bill Clinton was in Ireland and he had a pint in a pub, the, mm. secu- the uh, what they called Secret Services smashed the pint. Did they? Give them. Oh. They didn't even smash it. I just took it. But anyway, the <laughs> we'll point of the story is his DNA well. wasn't allowed out there. Ooh. Make of that what you will, Mr. Clinton. Mm, what's good you mean? You think he might be half lizard? <laughs> um, yeah, got I've got Al Gore's DNA here on a tissue, but I loved Al Gore. And I didn't... Eat it then. I'd kiss it. There. That's what I say to Al Gore. Kiss. Because he was nice. He was like a nice uncle. And in that film, he wears cowboy boots and he's got a dog. And he's nice. And that's what some of my questions that's was. That's a really mature review of the film. Now, Mr. Gore, Vice President, Mr. Price, President Gore. I see, Mr. Price, President Gore. You got a dog in that film. Was it nice? <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a funny name, Al Gore, because it sounds like Al Gore. Al Gore. I've been here for an Al Gore. It sounds like he's a monster. Al Gore. Like Igor. Al Gore? <laughs> yes, master. <laughs> Get my cigars. <laughs> I liked Al Gore very I much. It was ever so nice to me. Give me my special swimming certificate book. Russell Brand for Russell Brand. There it is. I'll always have that now. Do you think he's was looking at me as a future world leader? Yes, because I could tell from the respect he was giving me. He was thinking this guy's the leader of a of a revolution. No question about it. You should have seen me. Ma-. I kept pressing all the way. I was pressing all the way. I was Did going, he give you any tip bit of information that he's not given anyone else? I'll tell you one good thing. I said, I goes, mate. I bet you've got information that if uh, you ever spoke it out loud, you'd be killed. And so you have to carry them secrets. So I watched his eyes very closely, Matt. He didn't react. So he does he doesn't. It. No, he does. You'd go, no, I don't have information like that, Mr. Brown. He must and have been party to, like, geopolitical stuff. That exactly. Was... Top secret gear. Mm, people who were knocked off and bumped off. and All of the old nutty mm-hmm. fruit. Hello. There you go. Off she went. Now, let's have a little look at this. And if you want to hear world-class interviewing, you've come to the right place. Because this is an exclusive excerpt of my interview with Al Gore, as I call him, Alligator Allegory, Algo Rhythm. Being interviewed by me, very, very well. Should we have a little listen? Matt, you can, we can stop it if we need to. Where, where is it, mate? Uh, it's just three options. It's three different clips. Right, let's just do that one. There I go. Oh, it's on. Oh! oh uh, there I am. Mr. Vice President last. Al Gore, who's a long name to say continually. <laughs> oh, you can just ki- use Al if you just want. Just say Al. Call just me say Al. Al. It's actually yeah. happened. Or, I knew this would or, happen at some Or point. your adequacy, if you want to be proper. Your adequacy? Is that that's a formal? Oh, oh, okay, instead of your excellency, <laughs> oh, that's Al so is, sweet. Al is fine. Keep well. up with him, blimey! What is that? Is that a joke? You're adequate. Made a joke, and you went. Oh, is that a real thing? Al? <laughs> <laughs> Detect the humour. You're a professional comedian. I know. I was probably so baffled, weren't you? Blushing and. I weren't, mate. I was ever so on top of it. You should have seen me. Well, it's, don't don't you think? Oh, yeah, that was a bit of a. You sing down. You were, weren't you? Yeah. So what? Why'd you loom over me? You, you need a good looming Mate, that fella's a proper I bet you set his chair higher than yours. I, went, oh, I dusted it down with his tissue. Oh, there you go, Mr. Vice President. Sit yourself there. <laughs> Could I get you a cuppa? Go on then, play another clip. All right, I will. Oh. 
But the nexus of each and every one of Aha, those issues like is it. an economic system that will mm. not yield power. See? You know, when we talk about, oh, how, why do we have this system? It's because the people that are dominant, this system works absolutely fine, thank you. We don't want to change it. We don't care if the planet is destroyed. We don't care if, uh, is there, if there's economic inequality left, across the planet. I would see Brexit and Trump <laughs> as... Uh, he was in his language, car quite that. ...democratic population <laughs> saying, <laughs> you, to power. Oh, in both cases, yeah? you're not looking after us. Yeah. Why should we care? Why should we care? Yeah. We've no, been taught that most limbs are different. Oh, he tried to speak then. We've been taught that women are in... People are bored of hearing it because they've, for decade after decade, they've witnessed power not com taking care of their interests. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think ranting and railing against it has its place. Ah, working see, within, the And I'm not there. characterizing you that, that way. I think ranting is being overly verbose and not listening to anyone else in the room. That's my favourite bits of the film. You're right. See that? That's interviewing that, mate. Proper good stuff. Powerful stuff, I think. We can all agree. I've actually started just using this tissue to dab my mouth between mouthfuls of my vegan burger now. I've just it comes out very soon that Alcohol's deeply unwell. <laughs> You've caught it. He's all right. I could see his complexion was lovely. Very nice fellow he was. Like a lovely uncle, Uncle Al. I expect we'll probably become quite close. No, I expect it's been no time at all. I'll be round Al Gore's in his cabin, what I saw in that film. What does he just do now? Just the environment? Just global warming stuff? That's all he's doing, global work. He's, fly ironically, flying around the world. Yeah, exactly. Did well, you yeah, but that's about life. that? I bet he didn't. Yeah, but, what, yeah, but that's I mean, obviously digging him out, isn't it? Well, that's what interviewing is. Mate, I confronted him about bloody <laughs> capitalism, bloody... didn't I? And about the White House and all that, didn't I, mate? Come on, darling. You've got to dig him out. Nanny did interview Al to the best of her ability. I tried to confront him with economic inequality. I tried to confront him about the nexus of corruption. You've got to say power. to him, look, flying around the world to try and save the world, Al. Come on. Who are you, Superman? I mean, no, I, well, I thought that that would have been a, a cheap shot. I mean, everyone's probably a made this. It's a cheap, a cheap shot in the sense that it's cheap probably shot. like everyone says it to him. I was more interested in, is like, you know, like I've always been, is the, the, the what we regard as the focal point of power legitimate or is it really controlled by financial and economic entities that are beyond the, the reach of, tr of yeah, but then democracy? Why is he talking to you? Because you've got power in the media. Mm. I mean, very little, but... No, come on, mate. Well, actually, no, because he was going to come on this show, right? So he was going to come on... It was dynamite, old Russ. Yeah. Of course he was. That's well, what I'm we... saying. But, like, so you must have some power. Fortunately. So if he, he's he been where the the true power is known, right, yeah. but he's still talking to you, then it shows that on. you might have some real power. I thought so, and now I've got his tissue. At last. Let's have another clip. Oh, come on now. Proud my daughter was arrested, and, but I am. And what does that say about authority when a parent is now proud that authority is challenged? It says that authority is de facto corrupto, no? Well, like, and it, Donald Trump really is a, just a grotesque exagger, exaggeration of the preceding decades. No disrespect, because you took part in those administrations. But without Clinton, without Obama, you there. don't get... Trump. We were being coached, we were being lubricated, we were being fluffed and prepared oh for the Trump for the, uh, the Trump thrust. I don't know what to call it. If phallic references seem somehow appropriate with that man. But but like, you know, we've school we taught people to be individualist. We taught people to be materialist and consumerist and now we're surprised when it's a selfish, racist, sexist president that leads the world. Well, I I would interpret that history differently oh. from the way you do. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I'm just going to leave this tissue here. The toxic substance on. This <laughs> kind of guy is going to dab his mouth with it when I'm gone. He's always one step ahead. I'm dabbing myself right on the goblets right now. Come on, mate. That was well good interviewing. What about the people yeah, I said you think interviewing is the same as talking at someone? Like, <laughs> that was well good things what I said. That's right. right. The interviewing is like saying something. He says something. Mm, like it's that. a dialogue, Boy. a discourse. Tell Not me. that. <laughs> like, I'll go in a wind tunnel. <laughs> what happened? You could have got some real juice out of it. It's juice. I've got juice all over his tissue. It's one of the best damn interviews Al Gore will ever do. I'll tell you that for nothing. Yeah, best from the point of view he didn't have to talk. Oh no, mate! I had him. I had him. I had him on the ropes. No, you didn't. <laughs> what? I think I've done a bloody good job. I thought you might... Be, do you know what I thought? With this being your birthday, I thought you might be proud of me. I thought even you might go so far as to compliment me. Would that be too much to ask? Just for once, you say, good job. Good job with Al Gore. Good job with the Prime Minister of America. But no. No, all you do is go on about his stink rag when I'm clutching. No, you did... You did... Go on. You yes. did well. But I got a special room for now. improvement. <laughs> Where is the room? And the old listen. Anyway, I only had 20 minutes, so I had to do an hour's interview in 20. You know how it I works. Would, if you had 20 minutes, go, right, I've distilled it down to five questions. Ooh. Bang. Hit him with the questions. Grill him. Oh, sounds boring. No. Grilling? Like George Foreman? No, no, no. What you want is someone that gets in there, tunnels him up all nice. <laughs> he come out of there with his hair all blown back. <laughs> <laughs> he did stagger out onto Leicester Square. <laughs> Secret service agents going, we're not quite sure what happened there, sir. Then listen back to that. Let's slow that down and analyse what that guy was saying. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, I wouldn't be at all surprised if... Uh, I bet you mentioned God, didn't you? Yep. I went right in with old God. What straight away. He tried to get out of it, but I wouldn't have it. Why is God letting that global warming happen then? <laughs> hey? What do you think God is? Some sort of weatherman. No, stop changing easy. what God is to suit your I will. I will change what God is. I will change what God is. Look, all, look, you know what I mean by God. I mean limitless consciousness that we all have access to, that we're all a temporary manifestation of. It's not like something out of a bloody Christmas carol, like old cobblers. But what I did say to him is, you're of the Christian faith, are you? Al Gore, well, uh, go on in. Like that, just brought it up near the beginning and said that really is what it? we need is a shift of consciousness. If you, it won't matter if, like, you can't get people, to, you can't just go, oh, well, let's get some solar panels, everything will be right as rain. It's, it's such a radical shift is required that it, people need to look at Isn't society that, that, in a different way. Yeah, that thing that um, global warming doesn't, like, global warming's massively worse than terrorism, but terrorism's palpable and understandable to the average person. Whereas global warming seems like, oh, what, it's not going to affect us for hundreds of years? Oh, it's going to, uh, it just doesn't seem... It's like, not so it's easy not to tell a story about. Scared of. It's harder to be scared of. Yeah, we're effect so affected by stories, just the way our, our minds work. In fact, there was a segment in the film, what me and old Gal done in a truce ages ago, that even Syria... Uh, is like the, the, the Syria was disrupted as a result of climate change. Yeah. All their agriculture collapsed. There was a lot of civil unrest, and literally, agricultural communities got displaced and perhaps became radicalised. There's some, you know, like we did a truce on that. Check out that Syria truce; you'll like it. And he talks about it in the film, but you notice he has to be somewhat tenuous about making that connection because mm. when he was in Paris to do some 24-hour telephone. 
it was the day that those terror attacks happened. And obviously, you can't be seen to say anything that legitimizes, it justifies, yeah, or yeah, even yeah. explains terrorism. Because, but there are explanations for terrorism. It's not people going, I might just do some terrorism for a laugh. Even if, obviously, you disagree with what they're yeah, doing. He, and he you may said, disagree with their it's reasoning. It's the weather. Then people would. Well, Go, uh-oh, would he's it, nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Because, and precisely because, the, in a way, there is a tenuous, tacit collaboration and consensus between media partners and big business. And, and I suppose the fact that we're allowed to chat about this on air means there's no real threat because, mm. you know, like the, to the information being out there. But there is obviously a connection between all four, like, you know, migra- like mass migration, terrorism, all these things relate to capitalism. All of these things do. It all comes from an economic system that sees the world as a resource that goes around the world plundering as it needs to, well, as it's oil, always done. It? Oil-based, I suppose. I reckon, yeah, essentially probably oil, Matthew, or most easily exemplified by it. But in a way, there's even a metaphor hidden in that because what is oil? Oil is power, energy. Energy is power. And like mm. really what we're discussing is power. Who controls power? How does power operate? And those are some of the things I'd like to have got to, but I just couldn't fit those words in quickly enough. I was t- talking as quick you're as I could, mate. doing very well, what I heard. I wonder how it'll go over, because we've got all the footage of it, so you're about to see things. I have got quite a lot of this tissue in my... Oh, no, I've switched tissues now. <laughs> Gone to a normal tissue, because I was getting some of it in, in my teeth there. He's all right. He's clean. You could tell he was clean. That's why has why he to become out as a good... Why is he a good guy? Because I think that probably in politics, you probably do get people that are idealistic, like in all positions of authority. Like, you know, when you meet policemen when you're younger and you think, oh, he's all right, him, actually. And then mm. when you're a teenager, maybe you meet ones that are a bit like... Maybe pinch you a bit too hard or something. You think, yeah. Um, this is just us as but did he what's has he got like a story that kicked him off into that way of thinking because he obviously wasn't you know when he was in Clinton's administration he wasn't obsessed with the environment was he Uh, well from talking to that yeah I think he was I think it was always a cause for him I think it was always something that was very important to him but I think the issue has probably evolved during the last 20-30 years or become more Mm -hmm. concise one of the things that's covered in his film as a matter of fact but like what I what I think happens is, and this is more based on the conversation I had with that Yanis Varoufakis, is that when you get when as you get mm, I don't want to say indoctrinated, but further involved in those systems, it becomes more and more difficult. I mean, just even think of us when we first started working together. You as an intern at MTV, it was my first MTV break. I was a right rowdy little rabble rouser, mouth off. But in, once you're earning all right money out of it, you sort of think, oh, all right, okay. But like, yeah. I still go through tra- like ideological challenges. I feel compromised by it. And I think now what he's become is a person that's sort of identified an issue he believes in and is, tr- is genuinely and legitimately trying the best he can to make a difference but the po- what the main point I wanted to get and why I was being so aggressive and rapid in that interview is I was, what I was saying is is that you if you focus uh, like what is climate change really climate change is the cause of climate change what is the cause of climate change and it's a certain economic system and certain monopolies and the inability to change certain things yeah. so like really until you go right see Exxon Shell etc from now on, they can't trade at a profit. These these industries are all going to be nationalised. You know, I mean, the infrastructure doesn't even exist for that to happen because they're transnational corporations. So you can't nationalise it. Imagine the resistance mm. that you would get if what's you actually tried to control it. What's his end game? What's he campaigning for? Renewable Just... energy. Right, and that exists. 
Yeah, like you could, oh God, I mean, there's things in that film where it goes, the, um, like the, this, the energy you get from the sun in one hour is enough to meet all the, all the world's energy needs for a year, if correctly utilised, if there was correct solar panelling and wind turbines, it creates jobs. I mean, really, the solutions already exist, but there is an unwillingness to make the transition. And of course, there's a lot of negative, contrary data put out to control it. And then on the part of most human beings, like me and you say, there's just a general apathy I remember when we done that live earth don't you remember Matt we did yeah. a radio show from yeah. there and I hosted a bit of it outdoors and yeah, I got a migraine, migraine that yeah. day and I remember they, will, they give all like people who participate they give you a leaflet like don't bloody leave the tap running when you clean your teeth or turn the light off and like for a couple of days I can remember thinking yeah I'll turn the light off I'll turn that tap off and therefore nah leave the tap running again now yeah. <laughs> it's nice bit of background noise because it's, it's not immediate like I said it's like mm. you think oh god we're all going to get blown up by terrorists but you don't think yeah you know little things like turning the tap off and stuff but it's because it seems so like the way I think about it it's like as well with like recycling you just think there's massive industry doesn't yeah. do anything and so we're yeah. like little wombles trying to go, oh, I better put that jam jar outside. <laughs> it's like, what's the point? There's massive corporations pumping black smoke into the sky. I think you're exactly right, mate. I think we feel disempowered and, disincon- and disconnected. You don't, feel like you're un- you don't feel like you're part of your community, like your actions have a meaning. And like when you talk briefly about that TV show, The Old Folks and the Four-Year-Olds, mm. that's showing that that integration, social integration and meaningful connection, it changes people yeah. in a sort of in a very... In a, in admittedly anecdotal way there but I think that yeah if you did feel more connected I, like, I feel guilty every time I throw away something I think oh man that should be being recycled you know like but like so you, you've got to rinse it out and all that I think it's just a general sense of disconnection that we don't feel like we're participants in society because you just think oh yeah you pay all this tax they just spend it and they bomb these people yeah, yeah, oh rich yeah. people always get a break you know but you sort of feel like disengaged from it mm. uh, and I think the only way to change that is radical alteration of infrastructure so people communities should become manageable sizes yeah. That's my basic belief. You should decentralise everything except for having some sort of global military I like force. it when you see an old person picking up litter just because they think, oh, oh, I should I'll pick up all this litter. Up. It's nice, isn't then it? Then you see that and you think, so, yeah. You should uh, read Dylan Thomas, Dylan Thomas's poem, Hunchback in the Park. It's a heartbreaker. Gee, you should know that, mate. It's an absolute beauty. Uh, anyway, I better plug this film quickly because, like, Neil, thank you, Neil, sorted out Al Gore as a guest. And then, as you said at the beginning, I snaffled him right off into my own private podcast. A podcast for money. <laughs> do what you want me to do. Uh, the film is An Inconvenient Truth, the sequel. Go and watch it in cinemas. It's out now. Or no, will it be? Yeah, he's out now. Go and watch it. Well, that it's was good. when was the first one? That was ten years ago, wasn't it? Ten years ago. Yeah. I think he comes across as a nice man. I think he's very sincere in what he's doing, and I think it's a good film. Check for it education. out, everyone. Let's and try it. and save something. Come on, save something. Save that. At least jam slow it down. Slow it down, girl. You're moving too fast. What's that? You're seventeen. Slow it down if you want it to last. Slow it down. Am I making I this? Oh, what it is? But it's bl- really beautiful. Do you think I've got a future? I think you have. Do you think I could make it? Why didn't you do it? that to Al? Oh, why didn't I slow it right down on Al? It's a campaign song, Al. We've got to stop global capitalism. Here on a global radio station is an advert. Russell Brand Radio X. Oi, now then. You're listening to Radio X now. Oh, no. Then he interviewed El Gore. I've got his special tissue. Matthew, what you got there, mate? A little boiled egg in a bag? Two boiled eggs in a little cup. Can it already... Can it already... And you want people to test your DNA? Can it be already the end of this radio show? The greatest two hours, perhaps, available on media 
anywhere. Pure entertainment, straight not, to the not brain. Not quite the end. Are you looking forward to the uh, Matt Morgan Awards? Yes. Well, by the time this goes out, it will have already happened. So, what so are your predictions? If I'm shot there, then this will seem very bad. Have you fantasising about that, an assassination? Fantasising about it. Could happen. Could happen. Are you, are you bringing your missus? I'm bringing my missus. And, um, no, I think it'll be all right. I'm Do you mind if I bring my dad, Ron Brand? He wants to read a poem there. Really? About me? No, it's about the River Thames. But can he, can he come? What? <laughs> Of course he can come. <laughs> Old Ron. He always thought my name was Mark, though. So you might want to... <laughs> Mark, Mark no, I tell you what, I like that Mark. I like that Mark. He's good. He's very good with him. Got good chemistry. You and that Mark? Yes, well, thank you, Father. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you only good at football yet? No, I was a bit better. Yes, I kicked one earlier. Now, have another go, son. Go yeah, he can come. Why, why does he want to read a poem about the Thames? That's a bit random. Oh, old Father Has Thames. Has he written it? No, Roger Kipling wrote it. What's going on? Look. Oh, that's a brilliant poem. It's a good poem. It's actually a brilliant poem. It'll yeah. lift the whole tone, mate. Yeah. That's the Ron Brand it's about reading the, a Rudyard about Kipling the, poem. The River Thames is very old, speaking to the bridges that are very young. It's a lovely yeah. dynamic, isn't it, Chick? What's that? Uh, what, so, what, how does he see himself as the old River Thames talking to the young bridges? I suppose we're the young bridges. Now, which bridge would you be? I'm being Tower Bridge. Which one are you going to be? What, your Tower Bridge? Yeah, of course I am. Camp? I can go up and down. It's not as old as it's meant to be. It's, like, exactly. it's quite young, it's only 100 years old. Sexy. It's a uh, little bridge. It's outdated, Iconic. outmoded. No, 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 I don't like this. I don't, don't have mast ships that much. Right, anymore. you're just going to be one of them stupid ones in Teddington. I'll be London Bridge. Oh, the defining one. Crafty. Actually, but... I'll be the Dartford Crossing. Uh, oh, do you want to be the Dartford Crossing? That's the Grey's Crossing. <laughs> you know no, that's no, a no, controversial. No, that, what? Thurrock. No, was it called Thurrock Bridge? Heading for Thurrock Bridge. That's the slogan. Dartford That's Crossing, the mate. Heading and for Dartford Thurrock Tunnel. We've Bridge. got both of them. No one cares about Essex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's true, you know. Why don't we get to name any of these conveyance devices? Not the tunnels, not the bridges. Ah, oh, Mum want to come and do some magic or anything? <laughs> are Bob and Sue coming? No. Why are Bob and Sue coming? The Morgans. They don't appreciate me. They spat you out. They nurtured you. Did with their DNA. Them. That's I mean, one thing your DNA test will say. Quite awkward. Disappointment. That's what I like. <laughs> Disappointment. It'll be written all over your DNA. Come on, no, they're not coming, the Morgans. To the Matt well, Morgan Appreciation Garden. I've got something here from the Matt Morgan. There's another one, isn't there? The Matty Cakes. Like the Twitter and the Facebook Matt Morgan fans are at absolute war with one another. It's terribly sad. <laughs> it's like a sort of a Middle Eastern dispute where everyone believes basically the same thing, but killing each other. I mean, every why can't we just have a bit more peace and tardiness? Let Nanny sit down, watch our programme. Hi guys, says Maraid. Do you are you guys gonna make any more Weather Clerks videos? Yeah, I want to. Following Lily's email about debunked and your convo about other weird videos you've done, I was reminded of the two episodes you made of Weather Clerks, which are seriously the funniest thing ever. Not the funniest thing we've ever done, just generally funny. The line their remaining son, Gary, gets me every time. What's the backstory? Oh, yeah, that is a funny that. line. Like they've got a remaining son. Sitting first, there's other sons that something's happened to. It's really I'd good. I'd like to do more of those sort of sketches. I would. We Shall could... we do more? Yes. Gareth, you're meant you to listen to our pilot. Is it? Oh, and he's not said anything. That no. sounded a bit muted, mate. I think we make videos and stuff. I think those. Why? Sort of what was wrong with that? There was an energy in that. Were just, we too mental? We had, we had just a rubbish camera. Yeah. Sony Do you remember camera. Gareth used to take us there? I remember that being in that house and being in a weird mood and touching people's vases and being out the back and smashing up a packet of biscuits and calling it entertainment for MTV. What Got happened? To a lot of trouble. Did you, Gal? Yep. He had to clean it all up. What happened, Gareth? Well, they complained. <laughs> what, they're the, the owners of the house? <laughs> well, it was, no, because they hadn't sold the house. It was the people who 
you know, the estate agents. They let you borrow a house for, the, yeah, for us to film a sketch a for MTV for the weather clerks. Look exactly. at it on it Google. It won't be a problem. And then you went and threw a lot of biscuits around. Well, I'm a genius, you see. I will throw biscuits. <laughs> no, no, I'm unstoppable. When, when my, once I get on the roll, whether it's ranting in Al Gore's face or making an unwatched sketch on MTV, I could go off the rails. What are you eating now, Matthew? One of your boiled eggs? One of my eggs, yeah. You, sw- you swallow that down like a right little schoolboy. <laughs> One of my boiled eggs. It's your fault. Your birthday. Live a little. Have it go on, son. Get in there. No, do watch that Weather Clerks video. It was fun. I used to like doing things like that. Me and Matt will do some more sketches. We will. We will. We'll deliver them to you. Russell, what about your interviewing technique, says Tom Spencer. Matt has always accused Russell of putting on a special voice for radio show guests he's trying to impress, like Mr. Sissons, particularly when Russell is discussing political or philosophical matters. Obviously, I must have been going for mental in the Al Gore one, was I? No, you had your normal voice on. See, I'm getting better. I knew it. However, since abandoning this voice, oh, Russell seems to have lost focus during interviews. I've stopped that. Regularly interrupting guests or farting on mic. <laughs> Does Matt think that a return to the old silly voice might be the solution, or is Russell simply saving his best interviewing techniques and guests for under the skin? Keep up the amazing work, Tom Spencer of Bristol. It's, you, you have a few different voices, mm. <clears throat> so you've got all different personas, that you're, yeah. different gears you can go into. Yeah. So there's a sort of chat show person yeah he's more of a sort of like oh i'm an alien i've just landed here what's all this <laughs> like that and then sometimes then you do the you don't go assistance anymore <laughs> but on you do sort of there is a sort of intellectual version you're like Wurzel gummage basically with different heads i am aren't i those a lot of the things we were watching when we were kids really went too deep into my mind and formulated my entire personality i feel my family's fools and horses blackadders formed all of my speech rhythms 40 towers ironically meant the absolute world to me Wurzel gummage is my entire mode of operandi well because of all the you know all that madness oh, that yeah. happened around I about all that. yeah well that member because that was your week off Maybe if you'd have been a bit less lazy, a bit less hypochondriac, <laughs> the world would be a bit of a better place. Still, there you go, you live, you learn, don't you? Right, well, I think we've done rather well. I hope the Matt Morgan Appreciation Society does well. We love all of Matt Morgan's fans yeah. on any forum or any basis, because really I see them all under the umbrella of my ego. I've ultimately. learned to appreciate them back. That's, Matt's, that's the message of the Matt Morgan Awards. He's learned to appreciate you back. Everything going all right on Instagram? Yeah, some people have sent me messages saying that there's babies who exist only because of our radio show. Wow. It's been a journey. It's been a roller coaster ride. It's been absolute chaos. How could it ever be sewn together into one rhyming narrative? Only if first passing through the hands of our modern day Dylan Thomas. Why? It's Mr. G chronicling all this in rhyme. Okay, this poem is called Basic Sugars. We are not perfectly aligned, a double helix intertwined. Thus, we adapt our environment to sweetly suit us, yet we fail to change our own climate that's inside. So how then does the half-man sleep? With with which skeleton does he confer? To whom can the converted seek for their tombstones needing words? Maybe we should check our own behind so our forwards can ever thrive. Will the ecological grave we dig today be where our tomorrows forever lie? Yet this world will keep on turning, no matter who we think we are. Basic sugars paired together under the sun, the moon and stars. Woo! Bringing it all to a beautiful conclusion. Stitching it up all nicely. I was inspired by Al. I can't lie. Al inspired me. There you go. I mean, he looked at you like, in my former 
position I would have you killed, right? But he does, <laughs> yeah, he does have the, you know, he, he believes. He he's be- a believer. Yeah, he's a believer. He's a dedicated and devoted man. So, yeah, that I'll is I'll have to a... tune in Yeah, that. check it out. Yeah, check start it listening out. to yeah. my content, why don't I you? I do. Make an effort. I've told you. All right. Well, is it rounding over to now? Crouchy, John McEnroe, <laughs> Jesus. Who's on Radio X next? Which bizarre creature from the menagerie will be thrust to the forefront right now? Tony Hart, who's on? Who? Gordon. Ah, Smarty Pants. Good old Gordon Smarty Pants. He knows where the bodies are buried. Gordon Smarty Pants. He's a good ally to have on board. Gordon Smarty Pants. He knows Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, he knows Rebecca Brooks. He knows all the liars, thieves and cheats and crooks. It's Gordon Smart on Radio it's, X. It's, it's work Gordon. Doesn't work sound anymore. No, he doesn't. He's with us. He's come over. He's come over to the light side. Gordon Smart, welcome to the light. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone. Goodbye. Russell Brand Radio X. Well, there you go, G. I mean, it was uh, like, I suppose for me, the whole experience was coloured by the fact that I'd just been with Al Gore. Yeah, that and was I'd mental. Used a lot of my caffeine and adrenaline. Yeah, he got the full dose. He got the full um, espresso. You know? When I listen to those clips back, I feel like I couldn't actually believe it. Because when I'm doing stuff like that, it feels kind of normal. Yeah. But then when I heard it back, just even an hour later, I was like, bloody hell. I can't lie. When I walked into the room, I walked into the room and I did have that, oh my God, that's that's Al Gore. That's, that's you know, Clinton's right-hand man. And yeah. What are you doing there, right? And um, Yeah, yeah. And yeah, he he's really, wow. He, he takes that environment stuff to heart. He took it to heart. I've got his yeah. book here. Al Gore, co-founder and chairman of Generation of... I mean, I've, yeah, he was, he's an impressive man, isn't he? He's pretty sincere. This, um, and lovely, I thought, and genuine and kind. He's sort of like almost a bit stymieing yeah. comedically. Because... He was the perfect straight man. Yeah, he he was, was like, you could, you, know, you, you could go all over the place with he him. Was and... Bill Clinton, straight man. Now he's had a gut being my straight man. He was very present and focused. And this, what's this book here? Truth to Power. It even tells you how to send campaigning tweets. Now, the main thrust, as I keep saying, for the interview when I've done it, was about um, making it about talking about politics in a different way. But that's my own particular drum to bank. Oh, this guy needs to come in. Is he all right? Or is he just doing security checks? Because, like, the thing that's always played on my mind is, as you know, is the limitations of the political system in bringing about real change. And that's what I was trying to get across to him. But I think yeah. I think there was a pretty good connection. Well, I, I again, he is part of that system. So the, right. he's, he's never going to um, break down, break in it down interview. too much. And, you know, he was speaking a lot about, I suppose, working within the system to create change. And what he said, you know, change doesn't come as quickly as you think it is. And then when it does come, it's quicker than you thought it ever was. So, I like that quote. Yeah, he's 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 got it. You know, he's, but in he's, this book, he's, mate, there's, four, like, there's like sort of quotes from uh, Ahmed Abdullah, Syrian farmer. I had four acres of wheat and now it's all desert. And like obviously the Syria example is like how you can't in a way this like the lines we draw between oh this is an ecological issue this is a military issue this is a terrorism issue those lines are drawn in afterwards they're not really there yeah everything's affecting everything else and the emblem of the film was like a shot of Earth from space and whenever you see that I suppose what you think of is the commonness of all of us together. Like, whenever I look at the moon, I think, oh, that's the moon that Shakespeare... When Shakespeare's yeah, mentioning yeah. the moon, it's that. that or when it comes moon. up in a Greek play or any song or any poem, that's it. The commonness of the human experience bounded by the fact that we're actually all on this relatively small planet together. And you hardly ever 
countenance that reality of like, well, we are all here just on this planet. You know, you sort of, it just seems like a trite maxim rather than a absolute well, that, reality. That's why it is good to like look out to the stars because, I mean, we can get caught up in just the, the, the tiny little lives that we lead, the tiny little petty disputes that we have. Um, and, like, you know, when they say that, like, you know, you look out to a star and it's beaming light from millions of years ago and that light's only just reached now so the star that's beaming it might not even exist now right Mm -hmm. and uh there might be some creature on some planet millions of light years away looking at us that can see our futures already you know what i mean right now or can see our past already staring at our past when we're already gone i listened to keris matthews doing these dylan thomas um poems it's melted my head a bit because it's like, you know, so as you get to like, like, by my age, I feel like you should know about Dylan Thomas. All of us know Rage, Rage Against the Dying of the yeah. Light. She reads Under that. Milkwood. Yeah, and Under Milkwood, she done that as a song. And she done, uh, and she done this one, The Hunchback in the Park. And it's like really captures the idea of that bloke who lives in the park that the kids that play truant from school wind up and annoy and the sort of sadness of him and his relationship to nature. It was like a real beautiful piece of social commentary, the hunchback in the park. And like, it made me like, you know, listen to that driving the car, coming back from like taking my girlfriend to a doctor's appointment really hit me with kind of the ability of poetry to get to places where rational thought can't get. And like, one of the great, the thing that I feel is that I think about a lot these days, we live in a rationalistic world where people deal with materialism and material solutions. But but a lot of things that are important to us are not coming from that place. No. They're coming from emotion. They're coming stuff from Stuff like spirit. poetry, stuff like music, it's, it's the language of the soul. And we, you know, we've, we've built these, these societies that have these logic constructions and our soul doesn't fit, sit right in these constructions. So that's why we always will... There always will be a soundtrack to our lives. There always will be a few lines of film dialogue that we can just quote for the rest of our, you know, ad infinitum with our friends that evoke these memories because, you know, we're part material, part spiritual. And you can keep embracing the material all you want, but unless you feed the spiritual part of you, you're going to feel dead inside. And there ain't many means. Like, art and culture, I suppose, for the last sort of century, has been, art and culture have been... I don't know, annexed from literal spiritualism, if you can say such a thing as literal spiritualism. There was a sort of a time where, all oh, right, there's, there's a sort of, there are national religions. There's a sort of a sense of the spirit and religiosity as part of functional life. And prior to that, presumably prior to agriculture, prior to monotheism, that the role of the spirit was prevalent because people dealt with chance so much. We were nomadic people, wandering, reliant on seasons, reliant on seasonal plants, seasonal beasts. As our lives become stripped of chance, as our lives become commodified, all that's really left is these fleeting moments of contact with poetry and thank god we've got matt morgan out of here so we can <laughs> i was actually thinking the opposite the i was thinking we need matt in here to bring the dumbness man that, yeah. that guy he brings us with his with his glib mercurial spirit that's, that's what he does the thing about, you know the thing about matt thoughts. matt i don't think matt even realizes how funny he is like he just exudes comedy he's just one of those guys that like whatever he does it's funny do you know what I mean? Yeah, he's, like, he's, he's got, he's got that, he's got that thing too. where, like, even, you know, we, we, we go for a little walk afterwards and have a little, you know, moan and complain about life, the universe and everything. And his moans I are funny. I better not come up right? in those conversations. 
one once or twice, once or twice. <laughs> but but he's he's a funny dude, man. I can't lie. He, he really. You coming to the me. Matt Morgan appreciation then? I'm gonna be there. Yeah. I'll be there. Why are you so reluctant about it? Why is it, why is it giving him it's such just a strong reaction? It's an awkward time. It's an awkward time. Why? Well, no, no, no. You've got a lot going on with your life. Yeah, I, I, I'm doing a lot of these like, youth workshops. What? Right? And so it's um, I'm just dealing what with... What are these youth workshops? They've got these summer schools going on in... um. The, the, this whole thing, this festival at Richmond, it's called Rich Mix Takeover Festival, and they've just got in all Bethnal these. Green. Yeah, on Bethnal Green Road, and so I've kind of been involved in that, and I kind of got like dragged into having to give a talk about grime, and I'm not really a grime fan. Why have you, you been dragged into doing the talk? Because people thought that I was, I knew a lot of stuff about radio, so and I did. Where used the to work, hell have they picked that I, idea? Exactly, I worked from. on pirate radio before Grime existed. So it's one thing, oh, yeah, you worked on Pirate Radio. Yeah, so go, go on and chat about Grime. Is there a new you know? Pirate Radio these days? I don't, even, I don't even know. I don't even know. We I'm still trying to figure it. out who killed Biggie and Tupac. That's me, right? Let's you work know? that <laughs> out. Let's get to the bottom of that and let's get to the bottom of it fast. Yeah, so I've got to leave that and then... And then, you know, when you deal with a lot of teenagers, their energy just soaks it out of you. Yeah. You know, they use up a lot of energy. So I'm going to be leaving that, and then I'll be dealing with... Um, also, you've got to do the energy shift. You've got to do the shift of dealing with teenagers and grime, about which you apparently know very little. Yeah. And then suddenly you've got to deal with some uh, Matt Morgan appreciation of starting members. I, I want to see who these people are. I have, I I have actually know. thought of saying to everyone that, like, let's say if we didn't go and he just turned up by himself... I thought that would be quite funny. But then I'd want to be there to see how he yeah, reacted to that. Right. Then you yeah. see how much you appreciate Matt Morgan. <laughs> him out on a peninsula on his own, shuffling around. He has been begging everyone to go. He goes, gee, you better be there, you know. You better be there. And I, don't worry, I'll be there, I'll be there, I'll be there. Right, but I think that, like, it's his birthday and everything, so it'll be, it'll be a nice gesture. And uh, I, He wants to get out of that cake. Jenny, has someone organised that cake for him? Uh, someone organised a cake at my restaurant. Oh, yeah, that's a surprise. It's a big surprise. There's a cake for him to get out of. What other things are there? Tell us all the things, because he's not here. He won't hear this till after. Take the mic, take the mic. Oh. No. There's a Q&A. Yeah. With you and Matt. Yeah. Uh, then someone's doing a poem. A poem? Yeah. <laughs> a poem? Dedicated What's a poem, that? Jenny? <laughs> a poem? Like a pomosexual. Do you mean a po-im? <laughs> Is that what you mean? A po-im. Say po-im. Jen? Jenny does my on-stage intros now, G. Please welcome to the stage, Russell Brand. It's, 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 it's like brilliant. The, her confidence level. Because it used up. to be you, didn't it, yeah. please, ladies and gentlemen? Please welcome, welcome to the stage, Russell, Russell Brand. Brand. That was it. Down <laughs> intonation. Jenny, very, you're very male and masculine. Jenny, very female, very feminine. It works very well. Yeah. Russell Brand. Like that. It's nice. Everyone goes, yeah, hey, they're really astonished. It's really working. Well, I'm surprised that she could do it. All right, listen, let's wrap this thing up because we've all got homes we've to go got, to. We've, we've all got, got poems to go to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> an appreciation society to go to. Come on, let's get out of there. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for downloading it. Lots of la, lots of la, lots of la. I'm trying to do a radio programme. I'm trying to do the Russell Brown show, yeah? <laughs> radio X. This doesn't sound like a thing that's true. Russell Brand. <laughs> Ray. D-O-X.